Welcome to The Thought Locker, a podcast that enables personal growth. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. It's Andrew Duncan here. In this episode, I interview Anna Thomas, a very good friend of mine whose life was turned upside down approximately 12 months ago after receiving the bombshell of cancer diagnosis in her early 30s. Anna has very kindly agreed to come on the podcast to share her journey, what she's been through, uh, what helped along the way, how this has changed her outlook on life, uh, and some of the lessons learned too. And so this is going to be really helpful information for anyone who is on a similar journey or who knows someone or has someone in their family who's going through this. Please forgive us, the audio is a little bit scratchy near the start. Uh, The episode is recorded over Zoom, so bear with it. I think there's some great information there. Thanks again for tuning in. Enjoy. Anna, I know it's always a hard thing to ask someone to do, but would you mind starting off by maybe telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I live in Invercargill at the very bottom of the South Island of New Zealand. It's a really cool city to live in, population of about 50,000. So really nice community, great people. I just absolutely love living here. I uh, live with my partner, uh, of 13 years, or 14 maybe, and we've just just very recently become engaged, which was a real surprise and really exciting. Awesome, congratulations. And thank you so much, I'm still so happy, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the other love of my life, which is a wee schnoodle called Jackson, uh, 11-year-old schnoodle, so just absolutely crazy about him. And I sell real estate. I've been selling real estate for 13 years. Uh, no, again, that might be coming up to 14 now, sorry. I started when I was 19 and I'm 33 now. Uh, so that was, that's been such a, a really cool, cool journey, um, starting off being 19 in real estate, not knowing any, not knowing much about much. <laughs> I'm a real, um, I, like to, I like to learn by trial, you know, um, what do you say, trial and error, um, I, I love just the style that works for me is just going and trying things out and learning and failing and learning from my failures. So it's been a really cool, really cool ride. What, uh, I, what, uh, attracted, you to, what attracted you to, to just jump in to get into real estate at the at, at 19 is a very young age in, in New Zealand to, yeah. to jump into that sort of career? Okay, so a, a combination of a few things. I, I didn't have any qualifications, really. I had uh, only done a couple of years of high school, then I went on an exchange to the States. I lived in the States for a year. So when I came back, I must have been about 17, and I, I didn't finish school. I, I didn't really, I was, I was never academically focused. Uh, so I was just at a wee bit of a loose end. My father was doing real estate at the time. Uh, and I went and I did a nine to five admin job and just learned really quickly uh, that that wasn't for me. Loved the experience. It was really good. But I just knew really straight away that that wasn't going to be for me. And uh, real estate kind of, it was, it was, I don't know what to say. It was relatively straightforward to get your license back then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's changed a bit now. But uh, it, it was a really good option. My, my parents had always instilled in me, like, you can do anything that you want to. And that seemed to be, like, such a good option for, you know, 
uh, with not having qualifications. So it was a combination of my father was in it. It, it looked really cool. And um, I also had a lack of options, which is something that does lead a lot of people into real estate. Doesn't sound very inspiring, but it's true. <laughs> no, it's good. Hold on. Where yeah. else did you do your um, experience in the States? In Oregon, uh, in a wee town called uh, Milton Freewater, which was really close just to the border of Washington State. And it was just an amazing year, really, a really big part of my making, I think, like growing up. And it was just wonderful. We, we'd been as a family, we we're lucky enough to travel to the States when. I was about 12 or 13 and we went to Disneyland and um, did that kind of thing because my parents had some business over there with Sormaling. Um, so we were so lucky to be able to do that. And I just fell in love with the States. I know, um, you know, with all its faults, it has, like, the people are amazing. They're, they're big, loud people, but they've got really kind hearts. That's what I, what I got. They're just really welcoming, happy, warm people. So I really love, and I still do love the States. Yeah. I, I, there's a common thing with Kiwis where we, you know, if we're exposed to other parts of the world, we end up wanting to sort of travel and, and go off in different directions. What, what was it that drew you back to, uh, to come home, to, to, to come and, and live and work in Invercargill? Yeah, I think that when I had come back, that I was pretty keen to, to keep moving. Uh, and I think I had put, I'd started putting plans into place. To, when I was back here, I was 17, I... I um, started working I think I was working to save to go away then I think I got a boyfriend I think that might have been what happened <laughs> and so I ended up saying <laughs> yeah us boys have a lot to answer for <laughs> <laughs> that's right so yeah I think that's how it happened gosh yeah <laughs> so so a very successful career in real estate which you started when you were 19 which is impressive in its own right just surviving in real estate is one thing but but succeeding um you know, and I've watched that grow over the years, knowing you, you know, you just had this incredible work ethic and incredible drive. Uh, and and it's, it's been really fun to watch uh, you grow and, and develop that career over, over time. Thank you so much. And that's definitely been partly due to you as well and your, your mentorship. It's just been amazing. I'm very, very lucky that I wound up getting introduced to you. So very, very grateful for that. You do play a big part in that. That was an, that's an interesting story worth touching on. You reached out to me uh, out of the blue. I, we'd never met before. And you asked if I would be able to, to help you with a little bit of advice. And we started catching up once a week. Yeah. For years, you know, we, we chatted on the phone most weeks, but didn't actually meet each other. Yeah. What was it that gave you the kind of the, the, the courage to call someone out of the blue who you'd never met and ask yeah. for ask for advice ask for help is there anything you could pinpoint on that because i feel like it's something a lot of people might might talk themselves out of or struggle with no um so i i know i've always known the value of having good role models or having a mentor and uh at that time in my office i, I had uh so, so how my real estate career kind of went is that i you know the first maybe four or five years being 19 to 25 I was pretty naive. I, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of leadership. You know, like a lot of the time you just, you come into real estate, you just, you're told just go go for it. Well, I, being that age, I didn't, couldn't really get my head around it. Uh, but then I uh, started at, uh, I, 
and this was in a couple of different companies. I worked in a couple of different companies, and then I landed at Harcourts, and which I think is really when things started and getting on the like improving for me. It was being with a good brand, um, being with a big a big company too. Uh, so things started to really move for me because again, like I've always had the good work ethic. Things started to really take off a bit better for me, and um, I didn't. There wasn't anybody else young in the office at that time, and I really thought I'd really like to connect with somebody that's modern and young. So what, at the time, you know, of course we had the national conferences. I think they were up in like Wellington and Christchurch often. And one of the um, leading agents in the office was going to it, and I said to him, hey, look, would you do me a favour when you go, can, can you see if you might happen to come across somebody or bump into somebody that would be a good mentor for me? And uh, I think you were on a panel that year, and he thought that you'd be really great for me, so he just got your number, and uh, you, but he, had, he asked you if you'd be willing to mentor me, and you were kind enough to say yes. Um, so I feel like I didn't even actually do the big ask. <laughs> and um, yeah, oh, I, it was just like, we, I think that we clicked pretty like well straight away. But what, 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 I, what I think I love so much about you, the style is that you always, like um, you always made me feel like, hey, actually I'm doing okay. Like you, you helped to push me, but you'd also say like, hey, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. You're like, you're doing actually really well. And, and to actually for me to just go, actually I am, you know, things are going well too. So I don't know if I'm explaining that very well, but that was really, really good for me too. And also kind of um, it, like you really helped me with not putting the expectations super, super high on myself, but more keeping them realistic, but actually achieving them. And that was something I think that really just, it was like an aha moment for me, definitely. Just having things more like um, reachable, achieving them, feeling great and building on that. So that really helped change things in my career. Well, yeah. Happy to help. But I would encourage anyone to, 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 like, I mean, I was lucky you were the first one off we, that we worked out really well. Um, it, it's important to get the right person, I would expect. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So switching gears slightly, uh, you're right now. You're still in the middle of dry July. Yes, I am. <laughs> yep. Next Saturday. Next Saturday. Um, um, yep. <laughs> what a trick! So dry July is where you go alcohol free for a month. Yes. What yeah, a attracted right. you to that movement? I did uh, dry July last year, and I, I can't recall what actually attracted to me in the first place. I would suspect it might have had something to do with uh, cutting, like maybe slowing down on alcohol. I don't know what 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 drew it to what drew me to it in the first place. Um, I had just started dry July, the fifth of July. Of course, I'll always remember the date um, when yeah, the night of fifth of July. I was in, in the shower and for some reason I um, checked my right breast and I found a lump pretty quickly and uh, the way that it felt, the shape of it, just everything about it I thought oh this is something really wrong with this and it turned out I was right and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I've been through a bit of a journey with that over the last year but I'm out the other side and uh, that's my motivation now to do Dry July because it raises funds to help cancer patients uh, just look, look some really good causes like look good, feel better, um, just just some things that really help cancer patients feel better. Yeah, yeah, it, it does really assist them. So that we're raising funds towards that and that's what the idea of Dry July is. 
so a really nice way to kind of finish what you started as well with with you know that, that journey that began uh, you know just over a year ago so so you're 32 at that stage uh you've you've just had this momentous uh yeah. change in life can you think back to um yeah how did that make you feel at the time oh my gosh absolutely some feelings that i'll never ever forget i remember because i'd been i went to see my gp straight away i you know i've always been quite an anxious person but that's kind of built over the last few years uh my, my GP had thought that it w wasn't anything to be concerned about, but she he, she sent me along for a mammogram, um, an urgent mammogram, which was just a couple of days later because of my anxiety. And I had convinced myself in those few days that, um, well, I don't know if it was convinced myself, but um, I just thought, well, if she thinks it's nothing, then I'm going to think it's nothing. Um, and when I was in there, they kept call when I was getting the mammogram, they kept calling me back in there and then um, I had to get some further tests done and I was lying there and I still don't know what I was thinking when um, the radiographer said, you know, look, there's something of concern there and I was like, oh, okay, it is cancer. Was that straight um, away? Or was that while you were getting that mammogram? Or was that uh, Yeah. No, right there, um, she said that there's something enough of concern to do a biopsy, so we did that straight away, and I was just, just lying there going, you know, like, and it's a bit overwhelming because, you know, you've got it, but I didn't know a lot about cancer at all, I didn't know a lot about breast cancer, I, I think I'm like most people, you hear cancer and you think death, um, and I... The two biggest things I think for me was that the feeling of being out of control. Um, that was probably more so in the days to follow. I felt really like almost like despondent, like just, oh, just like, oh my gosh, this, everything's, you know, I can see my future's going to be hospital appointments and people, what I hated because I love that sense of control. I hated people telling me, oh, you've got to go to the hospital here for this, then you're going to have to go and do that. Everything was out of my control. So the feeling of losing control over my life was really hard to deal with. Uh, and that's interesting, and we'll probably talk about that soon too. Like just, um, it was probably a wee bit of an unhealthy sense of control that I liked having, but the, the sense of the loss of control of my life was really big. The second th biggest thing for me was, like, of course, thinking about death, but... It, what what really hurt me was that thinking about because um, I'm really tight with my parents, um, thinking how they were going to cope with the loss of the like if I died, how would they cope the rest of their lives with losing a daughter? Because I think that's probably like I'm not I don't have children, but I imagine that's probably the hardest thing to cope with in life would be losing a child. And yeah, I hated the thought of that. Confronted with these thoughts of of death, you know, with with your own mortality and things it's you've instantly thought of your parents uh yeah. and that strikes me as a very thoughtful <laughs> line you know like that's a that's a really selfless way to to think about it uh just straight off the bat that that, that, that really struck me so um uh do you want to keep describing that that thought pattern that you had at the time yeah so much of it is actually a bit of a blur now like it's just on 12 months since it's all happened um but like there's just so many emotions but those are the big things that stick out for me I, I feel like even though see a lot the the fear of 
death, which is something that I, I've always really, again, probably like many people, it's um, scary. Like, it is a, I hate thinking about it. I try so much not to think about it. Something that really scared me. But um, I must have felt pretty early on that I probably wasn't going to die, but that, that the whole thing was just going to be, you know, a, a really big annoying part of my life um, and again that kind of evolved over time I'd have throughout the time where I went through my treatment which was you know about seven months so I finished up in January this year I did um, had surgery then chemo then radiation and of course I had moments of a real just you know really scary breakdowns and um, really awful moments over those seven months and thinking about dying and that but it wasn't present a lot of the time and it's because of a couple of the things that I did to try and help cope throughout that which we will talk about um, but the biggest I think uh, when I finished the treatment and then started trying to get on with my life and I was dealing with the effects of the treatment in like February and March this year that's when I went through another phase of um, the fear of death and so I had to really work through that. So, so it wasn't like present all of the time throughout my treatment because I was just trying to get through the treatment, I guess. But coming out and thinking about like what's life going to be like going forward and thinking about what I've been through and thinking about the recurrence of cancer, of it coming back, um, that's when I really faced the fear of death. And what I, I had learned through doing Reiki, which we'll speak about, is how that the best way to deal with with my fears was to accept them and um i we it took quite a bit of work but i accepted the fact that i could die you know i could die within the next couple of years or um or that i am going to die and that's like accepting that has really made me like i don't fear it I don't want to die, but I don't fear it now like I used to. And that's like so, um, like I feel so, like that's, I feel content, like which is, yeah, it's a weird thing to say. And I never ever thought, that, I didn't even know that's what I was looking for, but just acceptance of it has really, it's that has helped, that changed a lot of my outlook on life and just how I live. And I guess that's what a lot of people go through. It sounds like such cancer cliches but um that's everything that you kind of face so it must be quite it's not, uh, quite liberating it is absolutely because i think well if i'm not scared of death then you know what, what is there to be afraid of <laughs> love that yeah love that when uh, i can't even begin to imagine how much strength it takes to kind of suck yourself up to just go through all the ramifications and all the treatment that comes comes about um where did you find the strength to go forward like i guess you know in some ways you just sort of have to when faced with such a situation but um how quickly did you switch to a kind of solution focused and and and, and how did that progress where you you know you have to switch from okay well I've been hit by a truck with this diagnosis to suddenly how do we get rid of it yeah 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 um so i just happen like you know timing's everything and some things happen for a reason like um 
I just happened to be picking pick up a book at the time that somebody I saw somebody on on someone's Instagram stories, and it was called I think it's called The Power of Your Attitude, um, by Stan Toller I think is who who it's by, and it's uh, just it's a really simple um, easy to read book and. I don't know if I, I must have been reading it just as being diagnosed or I picked it up just after. And what I would do, like that gave me a lot of strength. I'm not a real spiritual person, but I went through, I read that book and as I was going through, I had just highlighted um, on my Kindle, I'd highlight some paragraphs or sentences that really stuck out to me. And a couple of times, I had stopped working immediately. So a couple well, three or four times a week, I'd go and sit and have coffee by myself, and I'd sit and I'd go through, you know, the highlighted notes of your Kindle, and um, that always got me in a really good frame of mind for the day. That book just had such an impact on me, and I've read, you know, every book that's out, every uh, positive thinking book and self-help kind of thing out there, so, but that book just really happened to work right at the right time for me. So that was really big thing, and also just the people around me, um, really strong partner, and who was just such a great support, and of course my parents too, and we went through a couple of hairy moments where we, we all got a bit emotional, and that was really hard to see again, uh, but my partner was amazing in that he was always positive, uh, and he'd let me have my moments, but he wouldn't let me dwell on it. Or, you know, look, if I was having a real meltdown and, you know, being scared about something or uh, scared about a treatment coming up, he, he'd let me get it out, but then he wouldn't let me wallow in it. He, he, he just, um, which was really good. Just really good people around me. And then also some people that I looked up to that have been through the same thing, uh, like Tom Panos. Uh, he was, I actually reached out to him on Instagram uh, and he has sent me some amazing um, encourage, really amazing encouragement and just some little bits of his own experience and that just, um, you know, things like that you do, you cling to things like that. So for the, for really listening, Tom Panos is a uh, highly sought after Australian real estate coach who has uh, been through battles with cancer himself. Uh, and uh, I'll link to his um, website in the show notes because I think he had, he's got useful um, tools for people that not not just in real estate. I think he could help a lot of people outside of our industry as well. Yeah, he he's an amazing person. Uh, I think, and just the having taken his time out of his day to read like to. to send me messages back on that like it's just meant the absolute world and just um the uh, what his messages that they're always like just simple and just really resonate with with where i'm at and really helped me through so just just having really good people around and um again some of the tools that i learned th through reiki i've also found a link to the the power of your attitude seven choices for a happy and successful life by stan toller so i'll make sure i link to that in the show notes so anyone else can pick up that book and check it out as well. I know I will be. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Definitely what? recommend. So the people around you were really critical to finding that strength uh, and, yeah. and, you know, going to, to seeking out mentors or role models who had been through similar journeys. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and there are other you know uh, decisions that you made following diagnosis that you think in hindsight were really beneficial um, yep so um like i had to be really selfish for you know for those at least the first few months definitely too to try and keep positive and that was just like um you know i just not doing anything that didn't serve me in terms of even conversations with people uh you know going to something or staying home or uh going for like if i felt oh you know in my previous life i thought oh i should definitely go to the gym or something like that but i felt like going for a walk i'd always go and do what i felt i was supposed to do it was just um being really selfish and just being like to try and keep in a really positive space if i knew hey look this person over here wants to come see me but they're always a little bit draining then i just i just no it was just a no so i had to be really careful where i put my energy at the time um, and that was really easy to do, knowing that I needed to keep positive. And that was like everything. It was like from what I watched, what I read, what I listened to. Um, and like uh, my, and this is what I learned a lot of this from likes of Reiki. Like it had to be uplifting stuff, not getting stuck into Because if you can like listen to a sad song or something like that can just really get you going down the rabbit hole, I think. You know, you start thinking about things and what, what if and all that. Um, so just making sure I was uh, keeping in as good of a space that I could. And um, like doing the Reiki was amazing for me. Uh, so uh, that was probably quite life-changing. A friend had gotten me a uh, voucher to go and see, um, I don't know, what do you call like a Reiki uh, practitioner maybe? I was, um, yeah, I was ask, for the people listening, what is Reiki? Uh, oh, no. I don't know if I can explain it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, do they like? So, oh, no. I really struggled to, and that's one of the things that get me. Is that it's a one-on-one. On one, it's a one-on-one on one thing, though. Like you go and see someone. Not that I've had it before, but you. That's you right. So, Reiki, I believe, um, it, it's something to do with. Um, they're not reading your energy, are they? Because, or, or they. Oh, we might have to look that up and find out. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find a good description. I'll put that in the show notes. But, but yeah. uh, needless to say, the fact that you've mentioned it a few times already would, would tell me that it, it had, and, and that we've talked about it often, that yeah. it had a pretty powerful influence. Yeah. And would you say that's, that's the conversations you had with the practitioner or the, you know, the, the exercises themselves that they progressed through? I, I think it's a real combination of both. Um, it's Katie Chain is uh, who who I saw from Zen Beauty Therapy, oh. and like I think that it's probably a combination of the both. But sometimes you meet somebody again at the right time, then just like it was a bit life changing for me. And I think it was a lot about the conversations and just her knowledge. And each week she'd say before we got started. So I, the Reiki, I lie down on a bed and. Um, it's for about an hour, for about 45 minutes to an hour, and she does the Reiki on me. It, it, it's non, it's not physical. It's only, um, oh, how would you say it? It's just, it's through her hands, I think. Um, but that's not, does it, she doesn't actually touch her when she's doing it. Wow. So it's a, like a transference of energy, I think. And she, she recommends that you go in and do three sessions in quick succession, uh, which I did, and she, 
those were probably, I had noticed the biggest difference in those three sessions. Um, but then I made the commitment, commitment to go every, um, every week or every couple of weeks throughout my treatment. And uh, yeah, I do think that there was just like, it was almost like having a speaking to a counselor or something like that about my feelings. Just the, she gave me amazing tools to help cope. She gave me the tools about accepting, you know, the things that I was facing instead of trying to deny it and letting go of the control of everything. Like, and I didn't even realize I had issues with control, but I obviously did. I had anxiety and sleeping issues from, you know, 10 years, the last 10 years that had just kind of built and got out of control. So having the diagnosis forced me to face those and I faced them with the Reiki and it was just amazing. And again, I think a lot of it was just speaking with somebody who had the knowledge and her giving me those tools to be able to cope with what I was going through. Um, one of the biggest things I probably learned from her is to let go of the outcome and that like I apply that to so many things now and it just makes life so much better and really helps take away the anxiety like even just if you're starting with sleep like I used to get so wound up because I couldn't go to sleep and there'd be times I'd be so tired and like my head would hit the pillow and as soon as it did I just started thinking about oh I'm not asleep yet but now I let go I just go and try and do everything I can to have a good sleep but I let go of the outcome of um, having to be asleep. It, and like just that, that's over, helped me really overcome anxiety and issues like that. What yeah. an incredible journey to, to have to suddenly confront all these other things. You know, it's not just yeah. dealing with the, the cancer. It's, it's uh, yeah. that must be fairly common, I imagine, but that it suddenly forces you to confront these other parts of, of life and these other battles that we, that we all deal yeah. with as well. So becomes this monumental yeah. health yeah. yeah and I think that's why now again because I'm six months post-treatment I I can say that I'm so grateful for having gone through the whole thing I really am because it, it I, because of the things I've mentioned the fact that I'm, I'm not um I think about that I remind myself that I could die and that helps me live more in the moment and I'm not living with anxiety or, you know, trying to control everything in my life. And life is so much better because of that. And I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't, had, you know, if I hadn't dealt with all of that. I don't know what, where I would be without having gone through cancer. I, so I'm so grateful. Yeah, and, and so commendable that you went and sought out uh, some someone you know anything that could help you know in an entirely new experience like the Reiki like something that you hadn't done before to say okay well I'll try I'll, I'll go out and give this a go I'm ready to and I'm open-minded enough to to give it a chance and yeah. and to find value if it's there so whatever that solution might be for you I think that's so so cool that you had the attitude to go and um, to go and look for the help whether it's Tom Panos or the Reiki and, and um, seeking out the advice that you needed or support. Yeah. yeah. Really important to find what works for you. And and uh, taking that time to focus on yourself. And I love what you said about, you know, does this, putting everything through that filter, does this serve me or not? You know, that, 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 that's, that's such a time where you need to put your own needs first and, and just cut out anything that, that doesn't help you at that point. 
Well done. Well done. So any other ways that your outlook on life has changed as a result of that experience over the past 12 months being you, you you've covered off some pretty monumental changes there. <laughs> Anything yeah. else that you'd add to that list? Well, I think that like I think prior to my diagnosis work so I've been doing real estate for 13 years at the time without any kind of break as you don't. Uh, and I think that that had... <laughs> Very, yeah. I think that that had really started to lose its shine for me. I was just really going through the motions uh, and just, I think, trying to meet my, my goals or my targets or whatever. And um, that had, like, the, the joy had well and truly gone out of it. For me and it's so funny like I had I remember it clearly I remember where I was thinking like like in the weeks leading up to my diagnosis walking the dog around the block going oh um you know is there a way that I I, I was trying to think of a way I could take a break from real estate I just needed a break and that's why again like um I just can't believe the timing of some things so yeah going through the whole thing but also going through what I've learned with Reiki and that um, when I returned to work I, I just I went in with really fresh eyes and I was, had been refreshed and I changed my focus to just going and doing my instead of trying to get the next sale and that's not how I started out real estate either I'd started out with much better intentions um, well I don't know if intention sorry is the right word but um, it had just evolved into to, to money and the sales. And, and again, like all oh, very good real estate practice. I've never, ever, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's all very great. Um, I don't think anyone would ever, would ever meet you or work with you and feel like you yeah. were, you know, oh, for the money. That, no. that, that you are one of the most selfless people I've, I think I've ever met. Oh. So, so when you're saying this, I think I should put a, a, a filter on it for everyone listening that, you know, in real estate, you get, it's easy to fall into a trap where you are um, constantly encouraged to improve and and build on what you did the year before. You know, and it's okay. You did this. How can you do more? And how can you do more sales? And and it, and after a while, that um, that productivity gets less and less fulfilling. Yeah, it, that's exactly what happened. I couldn't explain it better. So you've probably nailed it better than I could. Um, so, but, but like, I always have taken pride in my work ethic and what I, you know, what I, my skills in real estate, um, especially over the past kind of five, six, seven years. Um, but like I, I, like I said, it's just that shine had kind of gone out of it. So I, I've come back in this year, and my focus is on helping people and doing my absolute best that I can every day. And, but but I've let I let go of the outcome. So it's like I was talking about the sleep before. Uh, if, if I'm going to a listing presentation, I'll do my absolute best. But I know who I am, and I know I'm a great option for these people. And if they decide not to go with me, then like I I don't get wound up about that. I don't get caught up in it. Uh, and the same with the sale. Instead of you know uh, what I used to do, I wanted I wanted to get that done so that it could be another tick off or you know. Um, it's another goal that I've achieved, but uh, again, I'll do absolutely everything I can, but I let go of what actually happens at the end. Um, that's not to say I don't care about it. I'll make sure I do everything I can in my power to get a good deal and make everything work. Um, but, but letting go of what actually happens 
to things that are out of my control has that again has changed my life it's just like work life every day is so much better not being so caught up in what the result is or the outcome more than the result i don't and know there's a really interesting point there about goal setting and, and you know you, you it's really easy to set goals around like i want to do uh, this many sales per month and and those are so much easier to measure and define but it can take your um you know your focus away from what you really care about which is i want to give people a good experience and i want to be helpful and and, and yeah. let's know that outcome is is so powerful if you can just control the, the control the input the the yeah. outcome will, will take care of itself that's right yeah and and, and yep, go ahead. when did you go back to work when did you start in uh, February, I finished my treatment on the 21st of January and I was back at work about two weeks later and I don't know what I'd do upon reflection but it was that was again like I, I talked about that before like post treat pro, post active treatment because I'm doing ongoing hormone treatment which is messy enough in itself but post active treatment was one of the hardest parts of the whole journey which I was not prepared for Okay. And that's not to say people didn't try to prepare me, they did, but I think I, I'd set my expectations too high or I was optimistic and that, oh no, that doesn't apply to me, whatever reason I thought that, I don't know. Uh, but I just thought I was going to sail into this new life, you know. Um, Treatment done, ready to rock and roll now, I'm back to normal. <laughs> so when it didn't, um, I, I really actually, uh, we, we had some really tough times then. So I'd, I'd go to work um, for the first few months and work till about 12 o'clock, go early morning, work till about 12, then come home. But I needed about three hours rest th uh, after that. And then I, if I had appointments to go back to, I'd go after that. But that I don't, I, I didn't enjoy that because I really love being full on with work. I, if I'm doing it, I want to do it so, so well. I don't want to half-ass things that doesn't like my fire, really doesn't. And that started to upset me. Then I started to think, um, you know, well, what happens if it comes back? Or is this the way I'm going to feel for the rest of my life? And then I started facing the death, you know, the thought of death and the cancer coming back like I had, um, like I talked about before. So it's a really hard moment. Plus, we've been dealing with it for about eight months at that point. Um, I was emotional a lot, a lot more emotional then than I had been throughout the rest of the um, diet, like throughout the rest of the journey. I think it was wearing on me. It was wearing on my partner. Like we were just so over it. You're very mentally fatigued at that stage, I guess, because like, you've, you've got adrenaline at the start, I imagine, and you're kind of like, right, yeah. action stations, how are we going to deal with this? But by right. eight months in, yeah, you just be mentally exhausted from working through all the emotions for so long. That's so right. It was just so, so time to move on. And um, I didn't, again, it's kind of like before I got diagnosed, I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, do I stop working again? But like, I, I was definitely over not having something to challenge me. I wanted to get back to work. Uh, and then um, lockdown happened. And so I was actually, again, it's that timing thing, isn't it? I was forced into resting again. And I, I hit the three month mark of post treatment while in lockdown. And that's when I really started to improve. But it must have been a combination of having that time off again. So I don't know if, if, if looking back, I would race back into work again. It might have worked out a bit better. But I, um, oh, there were, see, there were listings and that that I, um, that were there. And I just wanted to get back into real estate. And, you know, my attitude was going back in better and that. So, um, 
coming out of lockdown when we got to level three. Yep. Speaking to, as I was talking to you through this period and you, yeah. it, it almost seemed like you were defining getting through cancer as getting back to working how you were before, you know, like it, almost, it was almost like you had an expectation that I've yeah. got over this once I can get back to doing what I was doing. Um, yeah. Which, which feels, looking at it now, like kind of a building a, a um, building a <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it, look, I, I feel like I'm working through a lot of it at the moment. I don't know whether I've hit another tough patch um, with my energy. It's just, just waned a little bit lately and I'm just kind of going through the emotions of, hey, look, um, most people say it takes a full year to recover. So to perhaps scale back my expectations slightly of how well I can perform and how much I can do, um, like, that's going to be another six months away. I'd mm -hmm. rather, I want to be more comfortable with where I am and what I'm doing. So it is just, just bringing those expectations back a wee bit and just remind myself that I've been through it a lot and I've got a wee way to go yet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a long race. It is. It really is. Um, so I just, yeah, but that, that, that's been, like, it's so weird to think that that's been among some of the toughest parts of the whole thing to handle. And it was, it was really interesting talking to you through that, through that time and through that journey. Uh, and it was a real eye opener for me too, seeing how much of a battle that was to, um, to, to want to be instantly better, to want to be, um, you know, back to, back to what you felt like would be normal. And, and having to confront the, I guess the the reality that you couldn't just effort your way through that, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It, it, it's also that combination of really wanting to get into getting stuck into things, but and I guess it's probably like a double-edged sword. I, I was thinking at the time so much about, oh my gosh, if this comes back in two or three years or something like that, or if that's all I've got left, I want to get on and live my life. Uh, so it's it, that's a wee bit of a balancing act. Um, it's it's you know living in the moment and be, you know do, wanting to do to start doing more and more again, but also thinking long term. So it's a, using a bit of both. Yeah. So going back a step, knowing what you know now, if you could speak to yourself, you know you're you're out walking, walking, uh, walking the puppy, thinking, oh gosh, I need a break from real estate. Before you even found out about all this, you know, what would you what would you say to that person just over a year ago? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I love this. Um, Gary V talks about this. Like, oh, it's so funny. Like, you're not as important as you think you are. <laughs> you know, like, where does, does that, I, I don't know if that, if you've ever seen any of his stuff that he talks about that. Um, I yeah. think that that's really interesting because I was like, oh, um, when I was thinking, you know, could I take a break? no you can't you know what would people think well no one actually cares <laughs> yeah you know, things like that and I think that I've got a lot more of that attitude now um you, you're not really that important you just our time on the earth and you know where we are and the billions of people out there like we think that people what you know we get so caught up in what people are thinking of us or what we can and can't do um I mean it's just it's such bs it really is um so yeah, I think like those, it sounds funny, doesn't it? Like the two of the biggest things I guess to take is like, 
um, I'm not afraid of death and you're not that important. And I would never, those are things that are actually really, like you say, liberating and life-changing. Um, and you, it sounds negative, but it's not actually. Those are extremely powerful messages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, great people that they come from. Yeah. By all means. So, so some lasting changes to your outlook on life moving forward, it sounds like. Yeah, definitely. But um, it's just going to be repeating probably what I've said to you, like um, letting go of the outcome, uh, you know, just going and doing what makes, what, what fulfills me. It makes me feel good. And the result is always really good because it comes from such a good place. Do you think you'll do more travel now that you've been through that experience? Um, interesting like I, i'm trying like because this i think this year is just so things kind of evolve and change over time because like two months ago or or like sorry like even pre-covid th there wasn't a lot i wanted to do at all because of the way that i was feeling and that's changing over time too like i wouldn't do travel because i just didn't have the energy um, and that's not where i wanted to spend my time look i, I truly really really love what i do and um I, like I just want to do more of it and work with more and more people and like meet more people and I get great opportunities and just be with the people that um, really feel so good to be around. So I don't know going forward, I feel like it's too early for me to say yet, which I think it's weird, six months post-treatment, um, but it's just like, like my life is quite simple and there's not a lot in it. Um, but the things that I do, I, I really enjoy doing and I do a lot of, so likes of my work, I really love. And that's interesting because I also accept that I love what I do. Whereas before I used to think that it was a bad thing to be really into your work and to work a lot. But like now I'm like, it, it's like what I was saying before. Um, I used to think, well, what do people think? you know you're not supposed to be so obsessed with work or um want to do it but now i think well that's what gets me going it's what what i love thinking about it's what i love doing it's what i love spending my time on so i just accept well that's who i am that's what i like it's okay to want what i want and that is also quite freeing too and that's the thing like um you're not that important no one cares how i feel you know like about <laughs> but yeah. you might as well just do what makes you happy <laughs> like um yeah just really accepting of who I am I like being with my family which is my mum and dad and sometimes I think you know I, or like I used to think um you know you're not supposed to hang out with your mum and dad that much when you're in your 30s but I don't care I, I love being with them <laughs> yeah I, I love I'm involved in a rotary club here I really love the people there um so like I, I love going to the gym I like going for a walk and that's it's all such simple stuff we like going on like a day trip up to Tiana or something like that so it's just really doing things that I really love really simple life and it looks very similar to what it looked like before upon the surface it looks really similar to what it looked like prior to cancer but now it's just enjoying it so much more and um, accepting it and just just going with it just going with what I love doing that is an incredible eye-opening yeah uh takeaway to to come out of this with you know isn't it interesting how much our perceptions of other people's yeah. thoughts of expectations can yeah. affect our own enjoyment of 
the yeah. sort of everyday parts of our life. The activities that you, that you do from a day-to-day basis haven't changed that much, but you enjoy them so much more now. Um, because, you've, because you've let go of the, those expectations or those. That's um, it's right. Like the way I try to put it into perspective is I think sometimes like, um, like it, at the moment, I'm like, um, I'm, I've just, I've put on a wee bit of weight because I was, uh, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter. I was doing some comfort eating a while ago, <laughs> but um, like, and I, I'm, um, you know, if I go into a room and I'm thinking, oh, people are looking, you know, thinking, oh gosh, she's put on some weight, you know, um, oh, what's she doing? Is she letting herself go? But, and then I think, uh, if I saw a friend and I saw that they put on weight, what would I think? And I, I wouldn't even notice. Like what, what other people think they say, oh, you know, I'm a bit, you know, what about, like, you, you just don't even notice. I don't know if that's the best example, but like, that's what I think. Well, do I notice it of other people? Am I judging other people? Well, no. Well, other people probably don't care then. Far overestimate what people, what people notice or what people <laughs> care absolutely. about. Yeah, we absolutely do. And just on another note too, I just sort of probably mentioned like, um, coming back into business and just really focusing on wanting to help people and doing my best, like business has been amazing. Like it just, I just thought, well, I'll let go of, uh, let go of, um, you know, thinking about the money and all that kind of thing. And I thought, well, I might, I'm just going to accept that perhaps then I might not make as much money, but business has just been fantastic. So it's, um, yeah, it's almost like the less that I worry about the bottom line, the better it is. Awesome. That's so good to hear. That's so good to hear. Yeah. Focus on helping people and the rest will take care of itself. It absolutely does. What would yeah. you say to anyone that is, is just post-diagnosis, has just been hit by that truck, you know, just yeah. Uh, yeah. discovered this monumental life changes is coming their way. What would be the, the message that you would want to, to, to give to someone in that same situation? So it's like, um, you can't see it right now, but it will, the, the path will unfold and you'll be able to look back and say, you, you know, it, the right things will happen for you and everything happens at the right time. Um, the people, like the systems are out there to help you. It's like, uh, you know, that analogy of driving across the country during nighttime, you, you can only see a couple of meters in front of you with your headlights but you get it you know step, bit by bit you get there so it's just one step at a time you can't see it at the moment but it will all the path will unfold and everything will fall into place and you will be okay i love that keep moving forward you can't see yeah, the destination definitely. yet but keep moving forward that, that's much better yeah <laughs> oh, no, I, think, I think the nighttime driving analogy is really nice it's, I, it's a, a really cool way to put it absolutely yeah. Yeah. And being open-minded, it strikes me that you were um, just open-minded to receiving help and uh, imagine it might be easy in, in that circumstance to kind of shy away from interaction and to stay inside and be, it would be totally natural to be sort of overcome with negative feelings and, and yeah. not interact with anyone. But, but the fact that you were open to trying things and, and, and getting and receiving help from people seems like a really a really smart approach absolutely yeah i think um one of my thought patterns earlier on again i just feel like i can't remember so much of it i've probably taken some notes somewhere that i thought well i'm going to go through this 
us, so I might as well have a good attitude. And again, that came back to that book. Um, so, you know, there's nothing that I could do about what was happening to me, um, but I could get up each day and sometimes I had to remind myself, but uh, like have a good attitude about it. Yeah. On a macro and micro level too, like reading positive, um, getting positive, positive messages from what you're reading, but also just listening to uplifting music. Yeah, that, that's yeah. So, so smart that you've gotten on to, okay, whatever I surround myself with or fill my life with is going gonna, is gonna to influence my, my feelings on this. That's right, yeah. And as um, I've just been trying to remind myself that over the last couple of weeks as I've been, been experiencing a wee bit of a dip in my energy is to, to, to get back to using those practices of the things that do bring a bit more positivity and avoiding things that don't. Um, like, I guess you can't avoid everything. That's just life. You've got to go good, bad and ugly, but just trying to uh, do everything to preserve good energy. Yeah. I'm going to throw one last question at you, which I haven't pre-warned you with, but um, okay. if, you, if you had a your very own billboard in the middle of Invercargill yeah. and you could put anything you wanted on it, any, any message or, or comment, what would you say? Um, well you are going to die and you're not that important. <laughs> like I know, but like there's so much more to it than that. Um, it, it's a very positive message. I know it sounds like it's not, but it's a very positive message. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. For me. I agree. I, I think it's... Well, I, or maybe I can't say it for other people. I can only say it for my own journey. I'm going to die and I'm not that important. <laughs> very liberating. And... Hey, Anna, do you redo that because it might not sound that good for your listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's really what I believe in. So <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. I'm writing yeah. that up on my board straight after this. Yeah, yeah. So um, for that not important to explain that not you're not important thing. Um, look up um some you know Google or put into YouTube Gary B and you're not that important and that he just he can explain it better than I ever ever will. I will, I will link to that in the show notes so people know exactly what we're talking about. Um, and uh, I'll get one of his videos that focuses on just that subject. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Anna, that is so, so um, kind of you to share your journey with everybody. And, and I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come and have a chat and to be so open and so vulnerable. And, you know, it's, uh, I commend you for, for doing what you're doing because you're going to help a lot of people who, who could be on a similar journey or are going through that recovery phase at the moment and, and, and need a bit of encouragement and a bit of strength to, to, to keep yeah. moving forward. My, my absolute pleasure. Um, and it's something, even if you're supporting somebody through it, that I, I would like for people to know more like you're, when I was finished making the treatment, I felt like people just expected me um, also to, to bounce back and just move on with my life. And, um, and I guess that was also part of why it was so hard because I just couldn't. Um, so that's interesting. But um, I'd be more than happy for if anybody ever wanted to reach out and talk to, um, they could, you know, approach me on Instagram or anything like that. They're more than welcome to. So uh, love to be able to help anyone I can. Well, I'll put links to that in the show notes too. Thank yeah. you so much, Anna. It's been my absolute pleasure. Always good to talk with you.